Hello and welcome to Let's Be Present, the podcast that celebrates the badass women that are creating products, founding businesses, and leading movements from coast to coast. I'm your host, Olivia Christian, and today I'm talking to two amazing ladies with very different backgrounds, but who are both creating products that will make you look and feel good from the inside out. Later in this episode, I'm talking to Priscilla Thai, founder of Coco Kind, a certified organic and socially conscious skincare line that is based around superfoods. At the age of 25 and after some years on Wall Street, Priscilla created a solution to a personal challenge that many of us face. But first up is Darby Jackson, co-founder of Apre, a delicious plant-based protein drink designed to get you from post-workout to your next meal. Darby talks us through her professional journey from leaving a marketing startup to launching her own health and wellness practice to eventually diving into the unknown world of manufacturing a beverage. Let's jump in. Hi, Darby. Thank you for joining me today. I've tasted a few flavors of Apre, and I really love it. Describe for me what it is exactly. Apre is, at its essence, a plant-based protein blend. Mm -hmm. It's designed specifically for post-workout and specifically for the boutique fitness woman. So when we thought about building the product from the ground up, the nutritionals were really directed at kind of the moment after soul cycle. What is this woman gonna need to put into her body to bridge the gap from her workout to her next meal? It's absolutely not a meal replacement of any kind, not a big supporter of those kinds of things. And um, it's vegan, it's gluten-free, it's dairy-free, soy-free, low sugar, all of that good stuff. Give me a little backstory here. Describe a bit of your professional journey and how it led to co-founding Apre. Yes, so I was diagnosed with celiac disease when I was 18. That was my freshman year at college. And I was playing water polo at UC Berkeley. And that forced me to really focus on nutrition and how that was affecting my body as an athlete. And I continued that trajectory of being really interested in nutrition outside of college after I graduated. I had a traditional kind of marketing job at a startup surprise, surprise, here in San Francisco, and just continued to nerd out on nutrition. My husband was also a professional athlete, and so nutrition was at the center of our lives. And I decided after a while that I wanted to make that a part of my full-time career. I was I was unhappy in the job that I was in. I could see that I was living kind of an unhealthy lifestyle. So I enrolled to get my health and wellness coaching certification and my personal training certification. And I did that in conjunction with my full-time job. It was, nice. it was crazy. I mean, when they say that it, it's, it's hard to start and do your own thing, they're not joking. <laughs> and, but I, I was so passionate about it. I loved it. I learned so much that I decided that I wanted to start my own health and wellness coaching practice. So I built up a, a wonderful community of women that I was working with as a health coach. And from there was able to leave my full-time job and focus fully on health and wellness coaching. I had 70 plus clients, they were all women. And my role there as their health coach was to not just, you know, say, hey, drink a kale smoothie every single day and you're gonna be healthy, but it was, let's talk about sleep and stress and what's going on at work and also your nutrition and and form a well-rounded health and wellness approach. But as I was health coaching, I noticed a really clear pattern amongst all of my clients, and these were all women, and I'd get the same question, and the question was, what do I have after I work out? And I didn't have a clean and convenient answer for them. It was a hacked together solution of a green juice and a hard boiled egg, or a coconut water and almond butter, so you're getting hydration, healthy fats, and protein. 
this isn't the woman that's going to get a protein shaker, protein powder, shake it up and chug it. She's just not going to do that. She's not that hardcore. Mm -hmm. So started to look in the market, didn't see anything out there that spoke to this boutique fitness woman from a branding and a nutritional perspective. And my co-founder and I were very much aligned in this. He um, had actually kind of the initial idea for Apre was put in touch with me through his fiance who followed me as a health coach. And we were so aligned on what it was that we wanted to create. We have very complimentary backgrounds. So a year and a half ago, or actually it's been almost two years now, we first met and we started working on this product and built it from the ground up ourselves. Gaining the confidence to take it to another level. You wanted to answer the question that you've been hearing from your clients of what do I drink after or what do I eat after a workout? What made you think that you could create that answer for them? Yeah, it's a great question. So as a health coach, I I used that as my wedge into the world of health and wellness. I knew that I didn't always want to be a health coach. I think it's wonderful. It's a great practice. And I salute all of the people that do that full time. But it's very emotionally taxing. You end up becoming really a therapist outside of just a nutritionist. And that was a lot for me. And then given that I was providing a service, it was very hard for me to scale past a certain point with my clients. So I was trying to find different ways to get my health and wellness kind of advice out there into the world. Actually, before Opry, I was doing some television segments on KTVU on health and wellness. I was doing a little bit of consulting for some health and wellness startups here in the city. So just playing around with different ways to have a larger presence in the community. So it was really just the most serendipitous timing and thing when my co-founder, Sunny, reached out to me and said, you know, hey, I'd love to grab a a cup of coffee with you and bounce an idea off of you given your health and wellness coaching background. So, and you asked me what made me think that I was the person that could do this. And to be honest, it was just an initial gut instinct. And Sunny and I don't have any kind of beverage background, but I think that that's to our advantage. We've created something that is starkly different from anything out there. The packaging is we, we made a conscious decision not to put splashes of chocolate on the front or 13 grams of protein, but really took inspiration from boutique fitness, from athleisure, and from what's you know in a women's ki- in a woman's kitchen, and built a brand that was really true and authentic to who we are. Sounds good. Sounds like a thoughtful approach to creating an answer uh, to a question that you commonly heard. And a lot of times, people will create answers before a question's been asked, and then they wonder why people aren't taking advantage of their service. They're, we made this thing, eat it, consume it, attend, but you, they haven't really taken a thoughtful approach about listening to what the community is asking for and then building that. That's exactly right. I, I feel like the community is what my clients, my friends were the ones that inspired me to create this product. Same thing with Sunny. And it's really the community we, the community that we continue to go back to for advice continuously. So while Sunny and I are, quote unquote, the co-founders and, you know, doing our best to execute on our vision, we always go back to our Instagram followers, to my clients and say, hey, is this a good idea? Do you think that we should do this? Because at the end of the day, we're, you know, 400 heads are better than one, better mm-hmm. than two. So that's the community is everything for us. The fact that you keep going back to your community for recommendations, for um, assessments of the product, I think is really important. And I think, um, I I would imagine your community is really grateful for that. What kind of responses have you gotten 
from them? Uh, Our biggest community lives on Instagram. And so we started our Instagram account a whole year before we even launched. And we did that because we wanted to introduce the product early on and we wanted to get early feedback from people. What are the absolutes that you need in this beverage? Does it need to be gluten-free, low sugar? And so we started very early. And then from there, we had 10,000 followers before we even launched. We just hit 13,000. It's amazing. And these are women that are not only in love with the product, but what I've really tried to create here is a community that's very approachable. I I do feel like there are a lot of health and wellness brands out there that scream about eating less, exercising more, and that drives me absolutely crazy. I think that we're in a time when we need to celebrate our bodies. We need to, yes, try and let's do our best. Let's put healthy things into our bodies but let's do that so that we can feel great, so that we can share our best selves rather than, you know, I need to pound away on the treadmill to be skinny. It, that's bullshit. I think that you need to, it's about self-care, it's about showing up, it's about performing the best that you can for your friends and your family and your work. Mm-hmm. So I really try to integrate that into the way that we talk to our community. I, in our photo shoots, I really try and include all body types, body sizes, that's important. I don't just want a bunch of models leaning up against a wall because that's not the core of who we are. So I can't find this in stores, right? Talk to me about the decision to keep it off shelves and why that's important to you guys. Yeah, so we took a very different approach to getting this product out into the world. We made a conscious decision to not go the traditional Whole Foods route. We actually had an offer from Whole Foods before we even launched and we said no. We did that. Wait, there's two wows there. One, you had an offer before you <laughs> yeah. launched, and then you turned it down. That's so not Silicon Valley speak. We we did. We said no, and, and we did that again because we went back to our community. We chose community over distribution. Our community, and given that we were selling online, we could tell right away what was working, what wasn't. We'd get live feedback from our customers. I get to hop on the phone with people that are buying Opray and ask them questions about what we could do better, what we can do differently. I don't get to do that when you walk into a Whole Foods and you buy us off the shelf. I have no idea who you are, why you bought us, what you like. We don't get to have a conversation. So that was a very conscious decision that we make. We do sell in boutique fitness studios. That, I mean, Apre was designed specifically for the boutique fitness workout, so that makes sense to us. And we do a lot of events with studios. So that's really fun. It's a way for us to insert ourselves into the community and also bridge the gap from online to offline. I really love that. Talk to me about being a co-founder in this market. What has it taught you about yourself? It's taught me a lot. It's been so difficult, but so rewarding at the same time. I'm really grateful that I've been put in this position. It has forced me to push myself and step outside of my boundaries. And that sounds so cliche, but more than I could ever imagine. I think every single day at one point or another, I'm shaking to the point where I'm so terrified. Part of, or one of the hardest things in building out prey is that we have to raise capital. It's it's a very capital intensive business. You have to buy ingredients and, and do production and then fund and market that. And so Sunny and I have gone through two fundraising processes. We raised from friends and family a year ago, and then we're actually in the middle of raising a seed round right now. And I have never raised money in my life. I, I worked in nonprofit for a little bit, so I'd consider that maybe fundraising, getting oh, people God, to yeah. donate, but <laughs> that is not the same. And it is so intense. 
I I don't have a background in business. I you know I didn't go to business school. I majored in Spanish at Berkeley, but I am so driven and so passionate and believe wholeheartedly in what it is that we're doing. And I've had to teach myself to believe in that and to put my story and my passion forward and trust that that's what an investor is going to fall in love with. And I'm so lucky that my co-founder is fantastic at the fundraising piece and strategy and things like that. But that even though I may not, like I said, have gone to business school, I can do this and my passion and my love for this company is enough to make it work. But that doesn't mean that I am not terrified out of my mind all the time but I just show up isn't that what they say all the time like if you're not scared you're not pushing yourself right so scared to the point we went and pitched a big VC it was my first formal pitch I went into the bathroom I thought I was gonna throw up I was so nervous and so I just this sounds so nerdy but I did like some power poses in front of the in front of the mirror just to help myself calm down and then I had a little conversation with myself and I just said you know regardless of if you fuck up, you're here, you're doing this, just be yourself. That's what people are going to fall in love with. What's some professional advice you received early on in your career that you keep going back to? Professionally, it's been to speak up. That's something that I've really struggled with. I, I'm definitely a talker, but my background in health and wellness coaching forces me to listen a lot more than to speak up. And most of the time, whether we're fundraising or just in meetings with suppliers, I'm sitting around a table with a bunch of men. And that's really hard for me. It's hard for me to feel like I can say what I need to say. Uh, my approach is a lot softer. It's really hard for me to speak up and, and interrupt. So I'm trying to find a way to balance that and to, to feel comfortable speaking up, but without feeling like I need to change my personality or who I am. But I've read some articles and some wonderful books just from women that I, I'm very inspired by that talk about the need to push yourself and speak up. And so that's something that I'm really working on. In addition to reading articles like that one, what other things are you doing? What kind of methods or strategies are you employing to help find resources for yourself and to help inform your business? I love reaching out to other women that are either founders, co-founders that have started a business before or that have successfully exited a business. I'm shameless about reaching out to friends of friends, stalking people on Instagram. I've met so many wonderful people through Instagram. I just send them DMs. I take them out to coffee. I bring them up prey and we've formed wonderful friendships. So that networking piece is really important. And I'm just, like I said, I'm shameless about it. I'm not afraid to reach out to anyone but I will say I, I've struggled a little bit to find a female mentor someone that has successfully taken a business from inception to to exit or maybe not even to exit but just to somewhere where it's it's very profitable mm -hmm. I need to talk to someone that can help me make major decisions or at least not make them for me but guide me in the right directions and that can tell me whether I'm crazy or whether what I'm doing is right and also help pump me up when I need it a little bit. So I would love to find someone that could help be that support system for me a little bit. I've struggled with that. Nice. Well, I'm glad you're, you're being very upfront about it. Two things. One, I think it's great to be very aggressive in your approach. You know what you need. And so you're constantly on the lookout. You're on Instagram. I'm a big LinkedIn stalker. 
Once I know there's at least a third degree separation to someone, I'm like, you might know me, not know me, but here I am. I think it's important for women to really recognize where they may lack skills or relationships and be unafraid to, to ask for what they need. And another approach that I've had that I learned at some workshop was really trying to build your own, your own personal executive board. Right? You have different people on the board who represent different aspects of your needs. You have your cheerleader, you have your mentor, you have the person you go to when things aren't going right who can just kind of binge on chocolate or wine with you and kind of indulge in that, but then you have the person that kicks your ass and says, all right, you had that weekend of moping, what's next? Who's that person? On that, on having someone that you can go to that will kick your ass and that will say, hey, this is where you need to be better, and mm-hmm. but I can help you be better here. I need that. I... I know that I'm not perfect. I know areas that I'm weak in. And I'm so like, again, I'm lucky that I have a co-founder that's strong in the areas that I'm weak in, but I need, I would love to find someone that could help me continue to grow as a founder. All right. Calling the present community. Who's going to step up and play this role for Darby? <laughs> as promised, next up is Priscilla, founder of Coco Kind. What I find impressive about Priscilla is she's a woman that knows what she wants and goes for it. I've always wanted to start a company, so it was like my mom, you know, is an entrepreneur, and I grew up like going to her office, and I've always wanted to, like since I was little, people would ask me what I wanted to do, and that's like I would say like business, (laughs) Um, or like have my own business. So I don't think anybody was surprised in my life when I decided to start my own business. It was just surprising with skincare, though, because with skincare, I always had really bad skin, just like hormonal and cystic acne, Mm -hmm. face, chest, back, like, you know, you wouldn't know that today, but it was really, really bad. And like, you know, always wearing like high, high uh, top shirts Mm -hmm. and high back tank tops, like it was just like a really big thing. And so even though I started, and so I was on these antibiotics and, you know, pretty harsh medications for my acne and ended up having some stomach issues, which forced me to quit those medications, kind of learn how to live more holistically when I graduated college. So I had been make, started to make my own skincare, and even though my skin was seeing like such big improvements, both like from eating better and using better products mm-hmm. um, and formulas, it was still like, no matter what, like it was still the biggest insecurity for me. You know, imagine like you're just, you grow up with like such bad skin and then even as your skin is getting better and you always kind of like look at these like pretty flawless images or you envy people with like perfect skin that never broke out. Even as my skin was improving, I always had this like image of this like, you know, I don't have perfect skin and I always still have to manage breakouts and things like that. And so because of that, like starting a skincare company was never a thought in my mind. At one point when I was at JP Morgan, I, you know, again, I fell in love with the natural products industry and with a colleague of mine, we were thinking of starting a banana ice cream company where it was like frozen bananas and, you know, you, you know how you can make like really good banana froyo with that. So that was an idea. And the skincare, I, I mean, I, I literally had like a lineup of a whole skincare line in my bathroom that I made. Just a routine that you were kind of A routine that I made and everything. But still, you know, I, I never considered it because it's like you see all these skincare company founders, they have perfect skin. I don't have perfect skin. It's really 
kind of an insecurity for me still and I don't feel comfortable even talking about the fact that I had really bad acne or you know kind of like reliving those times so that was you know kind of what stopped me for quite some time I think at the end of the day I really wanted to start a company and then there's like I, I just at some point realize that after going through so many supermarkets that there was really just nothing like it sephora drugstores whole foods there was nothing like it and everything was just so frustratingly like expensive for what i knew that i could make at home what was it like when you decided okay i'm going to create this i can make it cheaper i can be more create something that's for women that potentially had the same kind of challenges you have what was the mindset that you had with my first step, this is what I'm gonna do, this is how I'm gonna find out whether or not my product works. What was that dive like? Mm, yeah, so I'm definitely like a very, just more like intuitive person. When I have an idea, like I tend to really cling on to it and act. So honestly, like even going to the supermarkets and Sephora and drugstores, it really wasn't about checking out the competition. It was more about me as a consumer trying to find something. I just knew that there was nothing like it. And basically, since the moment I was like, okay, I should try to do this, it really was like no looking back. And I was just immediately like, okay, like, these are the steps that I probably need to take. And there's probably a lot of steps that I don't even know that I have to take, but I'm just gonna like kind of plug away like one at a time. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing for me was with no product experience, right? Like I had zero product experience, except for making my own formulas, which is obviously pretty important. But like in terms of packaging, branding, like all that stuff, like no idea. So I really just ended up just kind of get trying to get things done and, and trying to sell as soon as possible to see if, you know, on the supermarket shelves, if it was something that people would respond to or mm -hmm. not. Um, so for me, it was really about like, how do I just like get my product out there and just like collect that feedback on a real time basis versus waiting to craft this perfect product and then launching it and, and you know, seeing what happens. So it was a pretty different way of starting where basically like I you know on a free trial of Photoshop 30 days I created the the packaging and found through Google a small packaging you know manufacturer mm -hmm. and a label manufacturer and found some bottles and it was all just like just trying to figure things out and buying like 50 units at a time or 100 units at a time of each box or mm -hmm. label or whatever so honestly it was like pretty affordable way to start a company because it was like you know buy 100 labels for $50 or you know whatever 100 boxes for $70 so it wasn't that like expensive so I was able to use my savings to do so and then I got you know my initial product together I got a USD certified like certification and then I immediately just started to go around to local stores and call them up and tell them like hey I have a certified organic skincare which back then and still now is pretty rare in skincare but you know has less than five ingredients it's based on superfoods and it retails for under twenty dollars and most of the time just like saying those three things like people would be like okay like send me a sample or yeah like come by you know because you're local and we'll see you know what the product's like and so there'd be you know on the first selling day I think I had like 12 places to visit mm -hmm. and by the end of the day, we had like one sale and we had, you know, two other commitments and 
three weeks later, like all of them, you know, pretty much all of them took us in. So it was like a pretty quick process in terms of like trying to get started. I think there's part of being an entrepreneur is like you can have you have people for emotional support and you like I could email my friends for like really like high level topics like you know should I be pursuing this or that like strategy or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of like the day-to-day like I think it's important for entrepreneurs to be able to like solve problems and you know like while like you want to rely on a network I think especially for emotional support is the biggest thing there's a lot of logistical things that you really need to figure out yourself because like you know you're not I'm not going to be able to ask my friend you know like you know all these like tiny steps of like how did you mail this from that and Mm -hmm. you know what about you know if I could I would have asked a thousand questions but at the end of the day like you 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 know you want to be respectful of people's time and ask them like the key questions Mm -hmm. and then everything else you kind of figure out and I think that's part of the fun too is in that process you can always figure out things for yourself and maybe do it in a different way than other people which I think is you know kind of key to who we are Coco kind is like you know, just kind of relying on gut um, and, you know, our consumer telling us things that has shaped a lot of who we are instead of like kind of copying or looking to like other companies' practices and stuff like that. But in terms of emotional support, I think it's like, you know, my family, you know, my friends and, you know, my friends in the industry. Well, you, you dived in a little bit about what the Coco Kind brand is like. Describe to me, like, who is the Coco Kind customer? Who are the type of people that are taking advantage of the products that you're creating? Mm, yeah, so um, so our customers are um, very educated in terms of, like, just educated consumers. So they know all about what products they're using, you know, what ingredients they're using, even where the company is based, how they make their products, and who is making the products. So they're they're just very well informed consumers. Where they're not going to buy a you know a coconut oil you know jar for their face for like forty dollars because they know that you know they're just they're just smarter than that at mm-hmm. the end of the day. So they know like how to kind of weigh value with what they're getting. They know how to identify like really quality ingredients. And they also are just like very um, real where they're just not trying to, you know, kind of be anything else. They're just trying to figure out like in this world, like how do you feel most comfortable being themselves? So I think that's like a pretty key differentiator um, between our customer and potentially other customers in the beauty um, world where, you know, there's it's a very like aspirational category and you know that's just not who we are like we, we just we never really want to be aspirational we just kind of want to meet the consumer you know where she is or he is you know at that point well how are you finding this information about your customers how do you know that they want this what kind of communication are you having back and forth with them to learn this about them? yeah I mean you know I do our Instagram so that's our biggest method of communication um, but I would say like our, our company one of the key values that we have like we are like customer obsessed like mm-hmm. we are people pleasers you know like so we just want to do everything we can to make her experience with our products um, as great as possible and that includes just all the steps and um, and in terms of our communication 
um, you know, we get about like 50 to 150 direct messages a day on Instagram. And I like try to respond to every single one. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of time at nights and mornings and, you know, help from my team too. Um, and it's, it's something that we use those insights on a pretty real time basis where we can see, identify a problem because they're telling us about something and then we can immediately fix it. That happens all the time, you know, like we really use that that information and we're able to act more quickly than potentially some other companies that don't have that type of interaction. Um, at the same time, we get, you know, you, you do a story and you'll either get positive, um, you know, reinforcement or you'll get, you'll get nothing. So when we get that positive reinforcement, like this was really helpful, you know, obviously then we know, like, let's do more of these videos. And so it's nice because we're constantly able to ask or sorry, answer questions um, and that are actually useful, not just like, you know, why should I use skincare? It's like actually like what steps should I use, you know, toning or, you know, what, how do I incorporate sunscreen and what, like where do I put it in my, you know, routine or like why is this beneficial for my skin or, you know, it's actually like really useful questions for them that adds value to their life more than just, Cocokine products, we're like kind of educating them about just stuff in general. Tell me a little bit about your team. You mentioned the team, you all are involved with responding to customers with specific questions about how your brand can really improve their skin overall. What was it like going from party of one to yeah. party of how many are in your team now? So there's like 25 now. 25. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been an interesting kind of process. It's like, I'm a very involved CEO for sure in all the different ways and like there's just not one role that I didn't actually do mm -hmm. um, in the company at one point you know and not too long ago too because we're still pretty young so you know adding people has been like a huge blessing because it's just been really able to kind of see other people take ownership and have responsibility I think that's like really cool is that everybody in the company really like you can see that they, you know, feel that responsibility. We as a startup, like we're, we don't work startup hours. We work like nine to six. Um, I mean, I work startup hours, <laughs> but my team, you know, they're, they, they work regular hours, but when they're at the off, and, and I think that's because like, we just always from the beginning, it's like your work-life balance is important. And mm -hmm. like, we want people to be able to like disconnect at the end of the day. At the same time, when we're at work, it's like everybody's just like really working, you know, and you can see it's because they have such ownership of the work that they do. And plus, they obviously see the impact that it has. Like, you know, someone doesn't do something, the whole team, you know, kind of something. The chain reaction. The chain, yeah, exactly. Something falls apart. So, you know, it's like a, a startup or a small company, like every player is so key to our operation. So, you know, and, and in my kind of style is like, I always tell people like, you know, this company is growing so quickly. So you tell me, like, I always want to help people find like what they're good at and what they like to do. Because mm -hmm. I think that's like, you know, it's like, there's so many opportunities in our company. If you decided you don't want to do operations anymore, but you're like extremely passionate about marketing, like there will be an opportunity there. Like I can make room for you there. So it's like kind of figuring out, you know, um, 
especially with some of my younger teammates, like what, you know, it's, there's a lot of responsibility as an employer too, um, kind of like for younger teammates, because I remember me, you know, starting off in the workforce and not really having any, you know, direction from my bosses or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of you, you realize like, oh, wow, like you're like contributing to them as someone in the workforce. Yeah, like you know? professional development. Exactly. You're investing, so. mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so right. I want people, no matter what, to be able to, like, you know, if they stay with me forever, that's amazing. But if they don't, like, I want them to be able to, like, have skills that, that they, like, learn here more than, like, anywhere else. Yeah. Well, what kind of skills are you looking to still kind of master or resources that you need to take Kind to whatever next level you imagine for yourself? I think one currently um, one of the things that I'm working on is just scaling the business and all that that entails. So I think our sales is already kind of like, kind of doing its thing so everything else has to scale along with it and Mm -hmm. that's been an interesting process because you know we're three years old and the first three years where I was able to kind of like do my hustling thing and now you know there's just more systems that need to be put in place and there's you know more people that I need to hire there's just like more strategy decisions that I need to make and um, and so that's like all that's been occupying my mind these days and, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of work to kind of think about the business more than I'm I'm so like action oriented but sometimes like especially when you're scaling the business you do need to think like long term like what works long term and that's new to me. Kind of working through that, you know, hiring really great people and just kind of making more like grown-up decisions as a company is something that I'm working on. Adulting. Yeah, basically. Coco Kind is adulting. (laughs) What's one thing that you would like the present community, our community that we cultivated of women who want to support women, uh, women women-owned businesses, movements, what's something about you and or Coco Kind that you would really want them to know and understand? Again, like the whole like authenticity of our messaging to our consumers aligns you know well with your community and just kind of um, having that idea that that you really just like living in the moment and appreciating like who you are versus like who you want to be and I think that's a struggle that pretty much everybody faces not just women but it's like you're always kind of thinking about like what you want to be or what you're going to do tomorrow or you know, when you get to this point, what's going to happen? And it's definitely something that I struggle with too. And just really thinking about like, you know, the the moment that you're living in now is not like just a, a means to end or like, a, you know, along the path. It really is like the point so that you can really make into something. So, um, and that's the same when it goes to like your beauty journey too. It's that you, with the age of social media, it's like there's so much opportunity to not feel like enough and to really just like take that, take back that ownership of your emotions from a lot of consumer companies that have trained us to think the way we think and really like take back that control and demand that, you know, companies start making you feel good. <laughs> I love that. Thanks so much for listening in on this episode of Let's Be Present. I hope you're feeling as inspired and encouraged as I am. Now, to get your hands and your taste buds on some Apres, just go to their website at drinkapres.com and join their community on Instagram, also at drinkapres. 
and visit CocoKine.com to find out where their products are sold and to learn more about their foundation. They're giving out financial grants in the amounts of $2,500 to $10,000 to female entrepreneurs in health, wellness, and sustainability industries who are focused on creating social impact through business. That's amazing. And please stay connected with us on Instagram at Let's Be Present. Until next time, ladies, stay present.